excellent. Another episode of It's Almost the Weekend in the Can. In the, oh, it's already done. It's, it's done. Already done. <laughs> we're 10 seconds in and we're there. We've finished. I hope you all have a really lovely weekend. Mm, we'll and, see you next uh, time. It's almost the weekend. <laughs> I've had, ever since we started, we're 73 episodes in and we haven't Jesus. had an issue where like we get to, you know, the 45 minute mark and someone realizes they haven't been recording or they've been, they accidentally stopped or something happened midway. It's true. It's amazing. It's true. I hope everyone is super thankful for how professional this podcast is. <laughs> because, yeah. Because <laughs> I have, like, you know, mid-podcast uh, thoughts all the time that are like, oh, God, if I have to repeat what I've said, it's going to be so canned and, like, horrible. And let me check oh, that I'm yeah. still recording. I am. Oh, thank God. I don't have to go over that again because I would. Oh, 100%. The magic like... would be lost. We came very close with that Sonic episode, right? Because the oh, audio was yeah, just so, so cooked. Yeah. But it was such a fun episode to record. So we had to we had to unleash it to your sorrowful ears, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll get Laura on again at some point and we'll uh figure out the microphone thing. But we did didn't we have a successful we had the Phoebe episode. That was a uh, or the Monday oh, sandwich episode and that had good audio. Yeah. Yeah. Or better good old- audio. Good old Phoebe Redacted coming in with the good audio. <laughs> redacted. Um, <laughs> how how are you, Darian? How are you this fine Saturday morning? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it is the weekend for us. It's almost the weekend for you, but it's the weekend for us. Um, right. Yeah, I'm good. I've been playing a lot of Diablo 3. I didn't plan for this i didn't want this but it has fallen upon me uh, to play diablo 3 so i'm still staying with my dad yeah and uh like i said last time i just had a bunch of misses with games that we were trying to play together yeah that's right and so way back in the day dad and i used to play Baldur's gate and he loves that, you know, hack and slash Dungeons and Dragons type thing going on. And uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2 have recently been remastered. And they're, oh, right. they're you know, they're available for purchase. Uh, and we were looking at that and they were fucking expensive. They were like 50 bucks. Yeah. And, you know, 20 plus year old games that have just had a bit of a... a graphics touch up i don't know 50 bucks is a lot for that that kind of fare so i said look diablo 3 is here maybe it would be your thing and he is so addicted (laughs) like we we started playing five days ago and we've both hit level 70 is that max that's the max oh my god and um he's really addicted to the gear right as soon as gear drops, he has to see it. Even though it's very clearly kind of uh, defined in relation to your equipped gear, whether you've picked up something worth looking at or not, he needs to see it. And so I have to implement this rule where we wait until the end of the level to like <laughs> look at all the gear because, yeah. I mean, I don't... I don't know if um, you gamers TM out there take radial menus for granted. Oh, God. But if you don't game often, oh, man, it turns out radial menus are a bit of a struggle. 
and so he'll like fumble through these menus and just be like looking at the gear and reading all the stats out loud and it's honestly very sweet to see he's uh you know he's really into dungeons and dragons and this is like dungeons and dragons on crack right diablo 3 like really takes those stats and you know like right now i've got five thousand intelligence like it's really (laughs) the number the numbers game is bananas in diablo um and so yeah he's just been having a ball and whenever we're not playing about whenever we're not playing it he's just talking about it he's like when yeah, are right. Gonna, when wow, are get, he's get, in deep. Oh, bro. He's and man, when a legendary item drops, like he just goes bananas. It's uh, <laughs> he goes babe He loves uh, loses it. Seriously, and and when we're fighting a tough enemy, he's screaming, he's yelling. Like it's um, it's it's quite the experience. Maybe yeah. I'll see if I can I can record some of it because yeah, it is please um. Do. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great to see him really enjoying it. But uh, yeah, did not expect to be uh, throwing myself at a cuck Activision Blizzard game. But uh, <laughs> here we are. These are the cards I have been dealt. Well, there is a game that a lot of people have been talking about recently that is uh, has come up in popularity because of the failure of Diablo 4, a recent oh. failure of Diablo 4. It's... I didn't realize Diablo 4 failed. Well, it was going pretty good, um, and then mm. uh, they they did like I think I mentioned last week in the news there was like a big change to the way the gear worked and like oh yeah yeah you did say that the developers just seemingly aren't listening to a lot of the issues that the player base is having and the boss game is bad apparently like it's just sort of like a Elden Ring style you know rinse and repeat boss system where you just get like the same boss over and over again right well i dude i gotta say just quickly yeah diablo 3 is pretty mid like the level design fucking sucks there's so (laughs) much backtracking and running around with nothing happening yeah and oh it's yeah it's it's very surprising the amount of just super average content there is yeah um but it's kind of like remember when you said diablo 4 was coming out and you weren't that interested and i was like oh but you know, it's okay if you just like want a brain dead co-op session and you talk over the top and watch yeah. the numbers go higher and it like is good for that. But if I if I try to turn my like it's almost the weekend critical eye on, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. like this game is full of fucking flaws. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> bad. Uh, yeah. So the game that I speak of is called Path of Exile. Have you ever heard of Path of Exile? Oh yeah, yeah. I used to I used to watch Crip stream Path of Exile. Who's um, Crip? Crip is uh, I think it's safe to say he's probably the most popular Hearthstone streamer. Oh okay. Um and uh, yeah, I've just over the last decade kind of tuned in and out of his streams. Yeah. Uh, very chill, very relaxed. He has more viewers over the age of 65 than he does <laughs> under the age of 18. I love that. That's really good. That's a community yeah. I want to be a part of. Exactly. So like, golden oldies. Yeah, so like pretty chill. Um, but yeah, he would every now and again play something other than Hearthstone and the main game he would play was Path of Exile 2. And the sheer amount of fucking data crunching he would yeah. do to create a build i yeah. was just like it was almost um it almost put me off but yeah. i loved watching someone who was really knowledgeable about the game play it 
totally. Um, so I, I don't know how long ago that was, but Path of Exile 2 has had quite a bunch of updates. Like, it's a live service game, you know? Like, it's free to try, mm-hmm. I think, and you can... Mm-hmm. I don't know what the monetization model is. Probably should have mentioned it and figured that out before I recommended it. But um, especially to your dad, who seems to be very into Diablo 3, so it might have been a dangerous <laughs> recommendation, but... Um, yeah, look, I'm not going to send him this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the safety of uh, his financial yeah. future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, apparently it's it's fantastic. And just is like a bunch of stuff that Diablo 4 is not. Um, yeah. And and the, the devs for Path of Exile absolutely have their hand in the community. Yeah. Like they've got their their dirty sausage fingers in the pie that is the yeah. uh, Path of Exile community, whereas Diablo doesn't have that. Um, yeah. But if you're interested just for some shock value in relation to Path of Exile 2, if you're uh, listening to this in the car, maybe not worth a pullover, but <laughs> if you're just sitting there in your uh, toilet throne, it's almost the weekend listening chair, uh google path of exile 2 skill trees oh and just god look at the fucking sheer scale of those skill trees it's mind-boggling yeah so apparently like a part of the fun is like you know going on the wiki finding a build and trying to do that build to me that sounds yeah. pretty dull but yeah the, the idea of like coming up with your own build and like finding you know some cool um efficiencies and cross mm. what do you call it uh synergies yeah synergies is like yeah really uh, appealing to me that's awesome yeah i mean it's deep yeah it's i, d- yeah, I don't know I, if i will ever play it just because right now there's too many games oh my god but, you yeah yeah you are so right jotul yeah. <laughs> when i tell you there's too many games oh my word <laughs> um so yeah that's how been i've been good i've been playing a lot of diablo 3 i sometimes close my eyes and just see like area of effect <laughs> <laughs> diarrhea fireworks that's um, so good Oi, Zeus. yeah just, so <laughs> hello zeus he's just like he sees a little tissue in the bin it's just a clean tissue whatever it's just it's chilling there and he just sticks his nose in there and grabs it I'm like, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> <laughs> uh i love dogs yeah um so yeah that's where i'm at babe how are how are you doing i'm i'm good um yeah i'm, I'm pretty good the remnant has had its claws deep in my flesh for oh god yeah i'm i'm really that's one thing that i wanted to hear about honestly is Mm. uh our weekly remy 2 update now that it's uh it's unleashed upon the masses so yeah um we had after that we signed off the pod last week we had like one of the sweatiest grossest gamer seshes (laughs) of my 30s uh, and maybe even (laughs) my 20s um, oh my god yeah we basically s- sweat fused ourselves to our gamer chairs and just non-stop mainlined remy 2 for the better part of the weekend wow um yeah i i don't think i went quite as hard as my friends who were also playing i like like i signed off not that late um some of them kept going until like four or five in the morning in some instances mm-hmm. um yeah it was it was a lot now that we're sort of on the other side of that Remy 2 meltdown, where um, <laughs> where we're still having a good time with it, which is good. Uh, I am sort of at the end game now of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my friends have been playing in like their other friends' worlds, 
So they're not mm. like, you know, they're not at the end yet, but they're, you know, they've still got great gear and they're like maybe even a lot higher level than I am, despite, you know, being towards the end of the game. The, the way that the the game handles crossplay, or not crossplay, um, cooperative play is really interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, so you start the game, you play a little intro mission, and then it like rolls your world. So you get like a random starting world to be in, and there's like three four different worlds uh-huh. and it randomly picks between them so you could start in like the forest world or the tech world or the whatever other worlds i don't want to spoil them okay um and those themselves have randomized boss encounters and randomized sort of seeds for the tile set for the level that is made up so you can like play your forest world and you'll get like a different first boss different second boss different final boss and then you go mm. to your friend's world, which is the exact same. It might be also be the forest world, and they'll have a different set of bosses and puzzles and gear right. to collect and stuff like that. So is this, like, a big plus in the way of replayability? Like, is yeah. it is it, you know, if you finish this current run where you're in the late game, are you excited to, like, start again or play New Game Plus? Um... I might, just because Bowler's Gate is here and rapping at my door with furious anger, um, <laughs> I probably won't jump straight into the the replay, but yeah. um, the sort of replayability stuff has been really good so far. Like, I will, will be playing mm. my, my save, and then, like, last night my friend Arden was like, Oh, I've got that pistol or like I've got the parts for that pistol so you can come to my world and finish you know help me craft it or whatever I was like oh hell yeah and so we went there and we like did some stuff and then my friend Harry came on so we all jumped on his world for a little bit and he's like up to a part that I've already finished but like is different because he's got different bosses right. um, so we'll, we'll play around in there so yeah that's in terms of in terms of like replayability it's not strictly like you know jump back in at the beginning again it's more like um yeah, enjoy playing content that you've sort of already seen, but sort of not. Yeah, interesting. Um, so yeah, that that was that's been pretty decent. Um, I'm excited to be done with it. <laughs> I'm ready for <laughs> its claws to be not in my back anymore. But sure, sure, uh, it, it has been a really fun ride. the The gear in that game is really cool. Um, the stuff you craft oh, from yeah. the bosses after you defeat them is really interesting. Sometimes it's a nothing, but sometimes it's it's very interesting. And like it has the similar thing to like Path of Exile or Diablo or whatever. Like you can have a build, you know, you can mm. focus on specific things, um, focus on like elemental or area of effect or like I'm a uh, I've got a class that's like a summoner. Like my subclass is summoner, so like I have a bunch of stuff around like how my summons work and how much health they have. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of stuff. And there's also some, like, really strange build craft. Like, there's um, a whole system around grey health. So you've got, like, your red health. Um, and if you get hit, you get, uh, you get like, your red health goes down, but your grey health does not. Sort of oh. like a bunch of other games do this as well. But, it's, yeah, it's two sort of two-tiered health system. The grey health will drain, or the red health will refill based on what mods or, um, you know, amulets and rings you have stash sure, you, sure. Can ha- you can have stuff like uh this weapon's damage multiplier is affected by how much gray health you have oh okay i like so, that that's very creative yeah yeah stuff like that um there's also like uh interesting stuff with like 
um, like weapon reload speed, uh, like the way your mods can, not necessarily like reloading of ammo, but the reloading of the, the weapons, like special ability, um, mm. how quickly you can cast that. So you can get like a bunch of different rings and powers that like recharge your weapons ability. So it's basically always ready to go. Right. Um, oh, I love that shit. Especially yeah. when the gameplay or at least like the combat is designed around cooldowns and yeah. you're just like optimizing that can be almost more satisfying than using yeah. the, the lack of cooldown, you know, just yeah. like getting all the right gear and like, you know, making sure it's, it's all spick and span. I love that kind of organization. Totally. And like the actual uh, game loop itself is quite cool. So like, as an example, me, Arden and Harry, my, my co-op pals will rock up to a boss arena We'll like throw ourselves at it um, and die. Uh, if it's a hard boss, most of them are quite hard and we're on playing on the hardest difficulty. Um, uh-huh. And then when we respawn, we'll be like, okay, so how do we account for all the stuff this boss has? So we all like go into our inventories and swap out our amulets and rings and change our weapon abilities around. And like, we'll be like, oh, that guy didn't seem to have any weak spots really easy. So we'll use this gun ability that like creates weak spots on his surface. And then someone else is gonna like, ah, oh, there was too many ads, so I'll change to my electric gun and try and take care of the ads that way. And I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll change to my like bouncy ammo gun. So hopefully that also helps turn the ads out. Right. So we'll just like, you know, change the builds on the fly as we, you know, try the boss again for the second time and then we'll die oh. again and then like refine the build even more until we're basically like the perfect version of what we need to be able to defeat the boss. And then- Oh, that's fucking then sick. Yeah. Um, that's still sick. It's still hard though. (laughs) Some some of the bosses have ridiculous uh, attacks and some of them aren't as good as others. Like one we're fighting, well, that we beat last night was like this root boss dude who like spawns a bunch of little trees in the arena. The arena is really small. The roots are gray and the ground is gray. And so Mm. it's hard to see where you need to get out of the way of the attacks. And so there there are drawbacks to some of the boss fights. They're not all, you know, shiny, perfect beacons of boss geniusness. Right. Right, you know, you actually just reminded me talking about difficulty. Mm. How easy Diablo three is? Like, oh yeah, I'm playing with Dad, and you know, he's not a gamer by any means. And where, you know, there's like normal, hard, expert, nightmare, torment, and then you you increase the difficulty within torment. Oh right, and we're like. This is our, you know, first playthrough and we're in Torment 3. We're like on what? the highest difficulty and like pumping up the the drop rates and like enemy health and that kind of thing. And I was like, fuck, I don't, you know, we played Diablo 3 like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I do not remember it being this easy. Like this is just a cakewalk. Oh, 10 years ago. You just reminded <laughs> me that it was 10 years ago. It wasn't yeah, an exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah, so. No, no, it was. It was actually 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm. Diab- Diablo 3 is 11 years old, people. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yes, the difficulty. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pulling myself out of the depths of 10 years ago. Um, yeah, totally. It's. I don't remember it being that easy either, but probably was it was definitely like a background chatter sort of game i remember Mm. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah it is strange that what like if if it's that easy like the hardest difficulty scaled three times i mean i i wonder what it's like at the easiest difficulty do just enemies die as soon as they spawn like oh yeah what happens everything just melts everything melts away around you yeah um but how they get you and like 
especially with with dad's cadence for really wanting the best gear possible like the higher difficulty levels give you a higher legendary drop chance Uh, and and so every time it feels a bit too easy he's like pump it up pump the difficulty up (laughs) yeah give me that drop rate (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly is it it the brown items that drop in that game that are legendary ones it's uh yeah like brownie orange and you know it's, it's got like this big glow from like the the sky to the ground and it yeah, makes a sound yeah. and like dad's eyes roll into the baby's head <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the voice comes on legendary you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's demented and uh, you know like credit where credit is due that there is a bit of hype around that because yeah. like you pick the item up and it's all question marks and you have yeah, to identify right. it so yeah. there's like some anticipation and and that feels good but uh yeah, dude, it's it's honestly been fun playing a game that isn't that impressive with someone who's really enthusiastic about it. Yeah, it's, right. It's, it's kind of like when you go and see a movie with someone who really loves, mo- like, a certain type of movies. Like, I got right. a bud who fucking loves Spider-Man, and I'm just like... You know, I don't, I don't care for the Spider-Man movies, but like, if he's like, "Hey, I'm going. Do you want to come?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I want to come. That's gonna yeah. be really fun." <laughs> yeah. The shared hype is good. Yeah, totally. Um, the other game I played this week in the throes of the Remy uh, nightmare mode was a game called <laughs> Vember. Did I? I think I told you about this game last Vember. week or the week prior yeah i think you mentioned it is is it another is it is it another brand new off the uh the ever delivering shelf of new video games it literally it's it's from the shelf of video games it's an xbox game pass game Um, oh but you can also buy it on steam and i think it's on switch uh and the other consoles it's on everything um so it's a game it's a cooking game uh about a south indian immigrant family that moves to canada Oh, you have talked about this game. So you're you're actually playing it now. I finished. It's like an hour and a half long. It's oh. very short and extremely delicious. And, oh, uh, shit. I highly recommend you give it a try. A try. Uh, everyone, everyone should play this game. I think it's excellent. I don't know how you can not try a video game that goes for an hour and a half. You know, yeah. that's when like someone's like, hey, do you want to watch a movie? And you're like, oh, I'm kind of tired. And they're like, it's 90 minutes. You're like, yeah, load that, load that puppy up. Yeah, I think even like if you were perhaps a faster reader, or you could solve the little cooking puzzles that are in it a bit of, a bit faster, you could bring it down to like an hour. Like it's pretty oh quick. God. Oh, that's that's delicious. That sounds very appetizing. Oh, it is. Um, so yeah, this this game is like basically uh, what would I call it? It's like story focused with uh, a few different cooking mini games that revolve around um cooking like a south indian cuisine um really kind of faithfully i think like i mean i've never made that food before but it looks like they've had or in, in the credits there were like consultants for the cuisines and Ooh. so they look great they are assembled in the right way for the most part i believe um and they would taste great too so uh yeah check it out it's it's um it is extremely short, and I think it could have maybe done with a little bit of extra, hour, maybe another 45 to an hour in there just to, like, flesh out some stuff. 
Um, but for me, it was like a total roller coaster. I, I was, I had the tears, <laughs> I had the tears oh, rolling. The tissues oh, that's were, awesome. were out and about. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was wonderful. Fuck. All right. That's huge. That's, that's going to the top of my list for sure. Vember. Vember. V-E-N-B-A. Vember. Cool. I wonder, yeah, it might be fun to, to, to see if we, um, I mean, I'm sure it's already been done, but try and cooking one of the recipes from the game. I oh, feel yeah. like. I feel like that is, uh, that's attractive. I'd like to give that a crack. Surely. I reckon maybe even on the website they might have recipes. I'd have to I would venture a guess. That would My be a great God. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's all I've been playing this week. Hell yeah. Well, speaking of recipes, I've got some dastardly fried chicken here. It's gonna, it's gonna melt your face with the spice of knowledge. <laughs> uh, Good job. <laughs> Good job. I would have given up halfway through that, just so you know. I would have, I would have killed over. <laughs> Oh God! Um, yeah, I actually, you know, I got a juicy box for you here this week. Hell yeah! So, we love a juicy so, box. So we're gonna plunge right into this shit. Uh-huh. Uh, senior writer at Larian, John Corcoran, which is a great last name. Corcoran. I think I would name a character Corcoran. You know, with my weird naming convention. Mm, it's, yes. It's it's a good one. Mm, Corcoran. Anyway, John has taken to Twitter in what I think is a fine. A uh, little piece of marketing. So Larian, of course, the studio responsible for the highly anticipated Baldur's Gate three, which mm. came out um, a week and a bit ago. If if you're oh. listening to this on release day, oh yes. yes. Um, and so uh, the game is horny as fuck, apparently. <laughs> so John said on Twitter, and I quote. I'm still surprised at how horny this game is. Bear's got nothing on what's still to come. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, if you don't know, there was this clip released of like romancing the druid who can turn into a bear during sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, I just think this is smart marketing. Like, you know how many horny people are on the internet? And he's, he's going to the front page of the internet and he's saying, hey... You know, if you're buying this for the bear, like the bear's just the tip of the iceberg. So I think I think Larry and know their audience. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, wow. I'm so pumped to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah! I'd be very interested to hear your take for sure. Mm. Um, have you played any of the original Baldur's Gate games? No, but I know that you loved them. Mm, yeah, I was a big Baldur's Gate fan. Yeah. Um, and an even bigger Divinity Original Sin fan. Yeah, I did play Divinity um, too. Yeah. So if it's Baldur's Gate meets Divinity, it sounds like a wet dream. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Next chicken bite coming at ya. Uh, iconic composer Yuka Kitamura. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, but Yuka is responsible for the music for all of the Dark Souls games and Sekiro and Elden Ring. Oh my God. He's left FromSoft. Oh, yeah. wow. So um, he is uh, freelancing, uh, you know, so he's just left as a full-time employee. So there's a chance that he'll still work for FromSoft. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty big blow to um, what makes those games extra special because yeah. those those soundtracks they they hit hard they um yeah they really deliver the goods you know and i was trying to think of like my favorite one but it just depends what i'm listening to i think all those games have just incredible soundtracks totally i wonder if this is like i mean he'd been around oh, sorry who was it sorry what was their name yuka kitamara kitamura sorry okay well yeah they have been around for you know all of the greatest hits so far so like mm. it makes mm. sense that they'd be like you know i think i've done my my task my task here is done <laughs> time for me to go um you know poochie style get into the uh, ufo and fly away <laughs> back home um yeah i think i would that to me that makes sense is something that i would do as well you know like if i had mm. worked on the soundtrack for all of those games probably including um the new armored core i would be Mm. like that's that's enough for me now i've done Mm. i've done it (laughs) i don't need to do anymore yeah and i i think as well um for someone in japan he'll be making a lot more bank being a freelancer than than a salary man so like I mean, the ultimate scenario here is he goes freelance and then FromSoft contract him. So he gets those big bucks, but uh, yeah, he's still he's still delivering the goods for those yeah. those amazing FromSoft games. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, hell yeah. Well, uh, we're going to pivot to some Nintendo stuff. Uh, Nintendo targets 2024 with their next-gen console. Oh! Um, so, I mean, as you all know, I write my own headlines here and I used the word reportedly and that word just turns me off so much. I was obviously not thinking very hard when I wrote this. Um, but anyway, reportedly development kits have begun to arrive in the hands of key partners, quote unquote, on key partners, um, which makes me think, uh, it's just in-house nintendo developers at this stage you know the mario team the zelda team the pikmin team i imagine they're gonna be the first devs to get their hands on like the uh the kit for the next nintendo thing yeah yeah i wonder that too um i haven't seen it (laughs) i don't we don't have one so if that gives you any insight yeah yeah Yeah, i mean i i i wonder what a a kit looks like this early in in the production phase you know like is it literally just a box with their intended specifications or like is there an aesthetic to the outside of the box like is it designed or yeah i'd i'd be very keen to uh to to see some proof of these kits Dev, yeah that's going to be hard dev kits are usually tightly guarded you know like they don't mm. let people um they're, they're not allowed to leave the building there's a lot of contracts that need to be signed about even moving them around you know like if they go from one office to another or sent back to the developer it has to be like very secure um mm. and very like timed um they're often quite ugly like the i think the <laughs> switch one was like or maybe it was the Game Boy DS one was basically just like, yeah, it's like a gray box. <laughs> right, um, right. 
we've got a bunch of them around the office for like Xbox and stuff like that. And they're all very strange looking. Like they're mostly really? just black gray boxes. Sometimes they have LEDs on the front of them that give stats. Um, wow. Yeah. They're not, they're not as uh, intriguing as you might hope. They're usually right. boring <laughs> to look at. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's fair, but uh, yeah, I guess just because it's behind the curtain for me, like yeah. I, would, I would have no idea. Um, I got, uh, I got two quick bits of news right at the end here. A couple of nuggets slung in the mouths of our beautiful listeners. Uh, man, man, I'm really off chops with this news segment this week. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. It's great. <laughs> um, Remy 2 sells mm. 1 million units in a week. And, uh, you know, that stat on its own doesn't really tell us much these days. So I wanted to compare it to an indie darling, which sold a lot of copies. So Stray sold 2.5 million copies in its first Ooh. month. Okay. In its wow. first month. Yeah. So, you know, Remy isn't that far behind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it feels to me like 1 million copies is actually pretty substantial for Remy too. Totally. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, I'm impressed with, uh, how well they've done. I saw that story as well and was like, hell yeah, great job guys. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's you've basically, you know, said that, um, sorry, Zeus is distracting me a lot today. Uh, the, that the DLC that you plan on making is like, yeah, it's, it's going to happen now. So they're planning, I think, three big juicy DLC drops in the future for that game. Hell yeah. Um, which I'm pumped for. Excellent. Um, yeah, no, just, you know, more fuel for the fire that is 2023. You're definitely going to have time for those DLCs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and my last nugget um, is... Post Malone buys Mega Magic the Gathering card for <laughs> two million bucks. I saw this. Yes, yes. Um, so there was this card that the Magic the Gathering company printed. There was only one. Um, and this dude unboxed it or opened it or, or however you call it. And uh, there's this great video of his hand shaking mm. as he's like, picking up the card and post Malone is a huge magic, the gathering nerd. Um, and like he met up with this guy and bought it for 2 million bucks. And the, you know, th- this is just an outrageous amount of money for a card, but yeah. the, the magic, the gathering community are actually really stoked about this. Cause apparently post Malone is like a big player. He's not like a collector. Yeah. That's just going to keep that shit locked away. Yeah. Um, so everyone's stoked. And you know, this, uh, this guy that everyone is calling shaky guy because of how <laughs> shaky his hands were. Wow. Um, you know, he was working at the checkout at a supermarket oh, so and, good. and he just got paid 2 million bucks. So that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Amazing. I, yeah, I saw little clips of, um, post and him meeting and, uh, and him holding the, or seeing the card and holding the card and then, and then, like, you could tell that they just made the deal and then, like, shots of them afterwards standing next to each other with the card between them being like, hell yeah, we did it. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's really sweet. It's like the best lottery win ever. You know, it's yeah. not like a faceless organization that drains money from the poor. It's like 
Post Malone, who really loves Magic the Gathering. Yeah. <laughs> giving you $2 million. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see as well, because, uh, like, how the value of that card changes over time. Like, this, yeah. this is, like, a relatively new um, thing for Magic the Gathering to have done, this Lord of the Rings thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, how it ages, you know, like, does does this set of cards become even more valuable as time goes on or what happens with it? It's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, well, yeah, it's cool. And I tried to find out what the card did oh, and right. it was kind of difficult to find. But from what I could tell, um, it does what the One Ring does in Lord of the Rings. Like, it makes you invulnerable. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, obviously very weird for the balance, like... Does that mean Post Malone just wins every competition he enters from now on? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that works. I don't know either. Uh, yeah, who knows? I've, I've played Magic Gathering a small handful of times and never fully comprehended it. So, uh, right. yeah, I, I, I have no, no input here. I'd be like, great. It's probably like Exodia, you know, <laughs> like oh, it just sure. fundamentally breaks the game if you're lucky enough to get it. But <laughs> in a lot of like pro circuits, it's not accepted as like a way to play the game. So right, like yeah, that's right. They ban things, don't they? So yeah. that you know, you get to enjoy owning a nice card, but you don't actually get to use it. Yeah, yeah, and like as far as I've heard as well, like that's really common violence or like the happenings with um magic you go to like a tournament and be like this is the the cards that we're using and it's only the most recent generation like which blows my mind like how do you keep up with that financially like just you're always buying new packs to keep up to be able to play the game sounds like a scam to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah 100 100 percent. i think you know it's it's they're they're twisting you because you you love the game you know you probably got some packs as a kid or some shit and now you're an adult and you've got a full-time job and a family but you still play magic the gathering and it cost 150 dollars a month to keep up man <laughs> yeah 150 a month that's not bad maybe i should get into magic no i'm just joking oh. I would never, I could. no i just pulled that amount out of my ass as no well. like i'm hoping it's lower than that but it yeah. could well be higher i have a feeling it's higher uh oh god shout out though magic the gathering um reference my dear friend and probably friend of the pod as well ben e has done a bunch of art for the cards for magic the gathering in the recent years oh Oh, cool. So, yeah, I'm sure, listener, if you want to go check that out, type in, like, Ben E. E. So, have to spell it E, it's just E. E. Um, and Magic the Gathering card, and I'm sure you'll be able to see their amazing art on display. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell cool yeah. Stuff. Shout out to Ben. We shout love Ben. Shout out to Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, another shout out to Ben. Stray Gods the Musical comes out in, like, five days. I'm sorry. Stray Gods, the adventure game musical. You know the. Um, was... <laughs> Don't say Stray Gods, the adventure game musical, as if we're all supposed to know what that is. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, mentioned it in the past. Um, oh, have you? <laughs> it's, okay, so let me get the name right. Stray Gods, the role-playing musical, uh, okay. mm-hmm. is. Uh, let me just read the tagline here because I'm sure that's what they want me to do. Gods, romance, murder, musical numbers play as grace in a world where Greek gods live in hiding among us. Change oh. your fate to as you draw friends, foes, and loves into song using powers your powers of musical persuasion to unravel the mystery of the last muse's death. Yes, you have talked about this. I'm sorry. Goldfish memory was active, and uh, <laughs> that's my bad. It's okay. 
yeah, so there's been a couple of demos out for this during NextFest, and they've also just released demos on their own, so you've been able to play a couple of little bits and bobs from the game. There is a, um, a set of, I think they're doing vinyls, but they're also just doing soundtracks, uh, so you can get, like, in the game, there's like different choices you make during songs and they're like based around different um, sort of, what would you call it? Not virtues, uh, ways of playing. So there's like a kick-ass choice, there's a clever choice and there's a charming choice and that will change the flow of the music. Oh my God. Wow, um, that sounds really cool. Yeah, uh, Austin Wintry on the soundtrack as well. So you- uh, Oh, what the fuck? Hopefully assured. Yeah, and some crazy voice actors in there as well big names um Sick. so yeah the, right. the soundtracks they're doing i should probably just mention this just because i think they would want me to as well there's the red edition the blue edition the green edition and the pantheon edition red contains all the kick-ass choices blue the clever green the charming and the pantheon is like a mix and match of all the different bunch of different ones um mm. so yeah go go pre-order that game stray gods uh, on steam today that's, <laughs> that's my due diligence <laughs> done wow that was um very clinical of you yeah i i really should have <laughs> should have put some more personality into that <laughs> uh, but no uh liam and the team at Summerpool have actually done an amazing thing here with managing to release this game you know over covid and changing publishers and changing names you know this game was originally called something else prior to being called stray gods and had to change right. the name because a different game came out midway through production everything that could have gone wrong for production has pretty much gone wrong for the team at summerfall and the fact that they've managed to release it um is it's like a testament to their, their skills and talent sick they also moved the date out because they were going to release on the same day as Baldur's gate <laughs> so they had to Ooh. change the release date again which is why it's Ooh, yeah. the 10th of August now. Lots of uh, release date musical chairs this year. Totally. Oh shit, look at the time. Um, time for a topic. You ready? I'm so ready. Okay. So it's actually on theme that you didn't look at this week's topic um, because we're doing cosmic horror. Oh, sick. All right. This is, this is my... This is, I'm into this. You're into this? Into Hopefully this. you can help me because I don't know much about Cosmic Horror. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's not that I know much about it, but I've read HP Lovecraft and, right. uh, I mean, we both love Bloodborne. Yes. Uh, I watched uh, James Stephanie Sterling play The Sinking City or oh, okay. The Sunken City, yep. which is a very, very bad Cosmic Horror game. Okay. Yeah, so we'll get to that. I think, like, a lot of folks have liked the idea of Cosmic Horror, mm -hmm. but have never read Lovecraft, and I haven't let, read Lovecraft. Um, mm -hmm. And it's sort of this weird, you know, like, people have, they, they think they understand the idea of Cosmic Horror without actually, mm -hmm. you know, having read the source material, which seems to be uh, part and parcel with what's going to happen today. I'm going to tell you about... Lovecraft and Cosmic Horror, and I've never actually read any. But alas, <laughs> Sweet. we forge on uh, together. <laughs> and with your, with our shared knowledge, you know, you having read some, maybe we can get some insight. Oh uh, yeah, I, I have this inkling that you're actually going to know more than I am. But yeah, let's uh, let's barrel on. <laughs> I mean, okay, I won't I won't let the listener peer further behind the curtain on this one. It's it's uh, it's already shambles. So <laughs> uh, we're starting with a quote here. <clears throat> Ooh, I'm just going to have a little sip of water. 
Oh yeah, no, get that, get that throat well lubricated. Needs to be for what we about, what we are about to uncover. <laughs> uh, good God, Manton, what was it? Those scars? Was it like that? And I was too dazed to exult when he whispered back a thing I had half expected. No, it wasn't that way at all. It was everywhere. A gelatin, a slime, yet it had shapes. A thousand shapes of horror beyond all memory. There were eyes, a blemish. It was the pit, the maelstrom, the ultimate abomination. Carter, it was unimaginable. Uh, it was unnameable. And that was from The Unnameable by H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, man, that's so good. It's that pretty reminds... juicy. Yeah, it reminds me of um, that Metallica song from Master of Puppets, The Thing That Should Not Be. Oh, that's Lovecraft. good. Lovecraft as fuck. Yeah, that's, yeah. There's kind of a bunch of hallmarks that come with Cosmic Horror, and Lovecraft seems to be at the very center of many of them. Mm. Um, so, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing all in and of itself. Uh, mm. I digress. Um, so a lot of people um, usually try to call upon this example um, that I'm about to speak of when they talk about um, Cosmic Horror and Lovecraft. Um mm-hmm. And it was at the top of a comment of a YouTube video that I used as reference for this topic. Uh, the YouTube video was why Cosmic Horror is hard to make by screened on YouTube. And I'll put the link in the description so you can go and watch cool. it yourselves. It's a short video. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so the example that I'm talking about is the ant example. I don't know if you've heard of this before. The ant example. Yeah. I don't think so. So here we go, I'm just going to quote it verbatim. Uh, The ant does not start babbling when they see a circuit board. They find it strange. To them, it is a landscape of strange angles and humming monoliths. They may be scared, but it's not madness. Madness comes when the ant for a moment can see as a human does. It understands those markings are words, symbols with meaning, like pheromone, but indefinitely more complex. It can travel unimaginable distances to lands like unlike anything it has seen before it knows mirth embarrassment love concepts unimaginable before this moment and then it is an ant again echoes of things it cannot comprehend swirl around its mind it cannot make use of this knowledge but it still remembers how is it supposed to return to its life the more the ant saw the harder it is to forget it needs to see it again understand again it will do anything to show others to show itself nothing else in this, this tiny world matters um oh that's so good it's pretty good it's it's kind of noirish don't you think like it's (laughs) it's kind of got that like harry dubois rundown detective trying to get back to the olden days vibe totally and i think that's like the theme um which they sort of i think this example touches on um i think the example is a little flawed like it feels like it's like the subject of cosmic horror but not the themes like i think we'll get to the themes a little bit later but um Mm -hmm. i think it's slightly more uh comprehensive or could be slightly more comprehensive i think it's it touches on it but it doesn't quite delve into it the same way that like hp lovecraft does with his Mm. writing Mm, sure um so we continue uh in movies it's a challenge to represent something unknowable and unseeable without giving it shape and thus taking away some amount of power that the concept uh or that 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 it has so you know the moment that you show the horror the concept fades and it reduces to a form on a screen in a room in a building in our memory and it sort of you know it gives it, it gives it shape yeah i mean there and i think that's like a classic dilemma right where Mm -hmm. you've got something in literary form that is just incredibly imaginative and really evocative for the reader and then 
when you try and like put it onto film it's it's never as good as what we imagined in our heads yeah and you know there's it's just that classic adage right like the book was better or whatever but like with with cosmic horror or like eldritch horror like it's especially fucking difficult like i don't i don't know how you could pull it off and have it satisfying as in like both a design way because you've got to like visualize this unnameable terror yeah and you've then gotta like have the characters interact with it or have it interact with the world (laughs) and like in in lovecraft and like in those stories it's always um like it's very surreal and it like it it you know when you're reading it it does a really good job because it like gives you goosebumps and it makes you feel weird and that's like that's part of why it's written like that like it's not just there to describe things to you it's there to make you feel things and like translating that into like a movie just sounds impossible honestly (laughs) (laughs) totally um so you know i think that's where like the the juice of themes comes in you know like you can Mm. sort of use a theme to express this core concept without actually showing it or doing something with it Um, which is i think where bloodborne does a really good job of that like i think we'll touch we'll uh, talk on bloodborne a little bit later but um yeah just on on that as a concept i was watching this video last night with jamie it was like a, a tiktok about space and oh, yeah. um, this isn't in my document, but I'll just mention it briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was talking about like the expansion of the universe and how like everything is expanding away, not from a central point, but expanding away from one another. Right. Um, and so the further out you get from any other object, the faster things are moving away from one another, which is a right. weird concept in and of itself. But um, mm. there's this thing that happens with objects that are or like uh, universes or galaxies that are really far away from one another um where they're moving away from one another faster than the speed of light good lord which is like you know nothing moves faster than the speed of light but um in the like the context of the universe these bodies are moving uh relative to one another away from one another at the speed greater than the speed of light um wow and so that blows my mind in a sort of cosmic horror sort of way because at this at that scale you know moving moving at that fast <laughs> relative like it's, it's not even like a speed thing though it's it's really hard to grasp and that itself is kind of horrifying for um, sure so we we really are just fleas in the gulping dark aren't we <laughs> yeah that's beautiful did you come up with that no no that's a that's a dylan morin joke but it's an incredible line yeah Yeah. (laughs) gulping dark yeah it makes you feel like you're in some big creature um which is a little bit lovecraftian um so bringing it back yeah we're bringing it back i got a couple of examples from movies that um were referenced in this video that i agree with did a pretty good job of summoning the sort of cosmic horror themes oh okay hit me let's go so the first one is bird box um there are yeah Uh so in bird box there are these monsters or entities that are so fearsome they cause people to go insane and commit suicide upon seeing them um Yet, at the same time, to people in the world that are already insane, they are these sort of attractive, beautiful things to show and to give to other people. Um, We never see the horror in Bird Box. We only see people's reaction to the horror 
um, and drawings done by the insane people, which are these sort of strange, misshapen, blurry representations of grotesque, grotesque faces and figures. But nothing mm. that the viewer can really ever nail down as to one thing, you know? Like, you look at the drawing of drawings on the table and there's, like, a face and then there's, like, a weird creature made of tentacles and lines and everything is scribbly and hard to interpret without one form, um, which I think in itself is Lovecraftian. Uh, and uh, leaving, yeah, it leaves a lot to our imaginations as to what, uh, you know, that's and that's kind of neat, you know, the, the fact that it leaves it up to the viewer... Um, imagination because it's sort of like a mirror to what the people in the world of the movie are feeling you know they, mm. they can't see it and so they're left to their imagination and so we share that fear with them which is kind of powerful i think yeah i think bird box is a great example for this i honestly think the movie is not that great but oh, totally. that con yeah. that concept is incredible and and you're right it's a great example because of the way like we get the same perspective as the characters like mm. we never see the monster and neither do they and that's just like i think that's really smart yeah lovecraftian stuff sort of carries with it this curiosity which is like um you know very human but mm. but also like the ultimate undoing you know it's like you carry with you this like shared curiosity with the people in the world as to what it is that are making these people go mad and kill themselves mm -hmm, it's like a dark mm -hmm. curiosity that that you know upon seeing bad things will happen yet you sort of yearn for it still or there's some you know when you see the drawings on the table it's only a few frames and there's like part of you that's like no go go back i want to i want to look mm -hmm. um but you know that you shouldn't and that's beautiful and strange for sure. Um, then uh, there's the opposite. We have the movie The Thing, where we only see uh, unknowable creatures, uh, their progressive forms, as the as the thing grows to its sort of true self. Um, and as it does, it possesses people and animals and distorts and contorts their forms into amorphous, gooey extrusions of their former selves. Um, the creature is always changing. We cannot define it. We cannot understand it. We don't know what it wants. What are its goals? Um, I think the thing succeeds in this representation of cosmic horror, uh, not just because of the tentacles and flailing limbs and gooey bits, but because it honors uh, the changing characteristics of the unknowable. The thing is not one thing, it is several, just like the unnameable. It has a thousand shapes of horror. 100%. And the thing is a fucking masterpiece. Like yeah, I gotta rewatch it. John Carpenter. Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. I mean that that movie fucks. That movie is just <laughs> kick ass. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that it's like unapologetic, right? Oh, yeah. Kind of like you say, it's the opposite of Bird Box because it's yeah. just like right in your fucking face. And um, yeah. yeah, it's it's got a sci-fi element as well, which I won't spoil. But yeah, it it like. I mean, it's incredible because of how much it shows you and how like arresting it still is as a movie like yeah. oh my god yeah that's one of those movies where like if i walk past a, a room and the thing is on i'm like well i'm watching the thing now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i saw it once a few years ago i really want to rewatch it i loved it um mm. and all of the oh, man, this is a complex topic but all of the um practical effects in that movie really i think help it along because you mm. it's so grounded like there's no like you know, oh, that's a visual effect. You just see, you see the reality, <laughs> which is gross. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah. yeah, they really go ham on Lolo's prosthetics for sure. Yeah, and it's it's also just got one of the best scenes in cinema history where like no spoilers, but they're testing blood, and oh, yeah. the way that scene is played out is just incredible. Like yeah. the camera movements, the performances, everything is perfect. It's just such an incredible scene. Totally. Um, so I've got another quote from HP here, uh, Hewitt Packard, uh, the most, <laughs> no, not the computer, the printers, the man, Lovecraft man, uh, the most merciful thing in the world, I think is the inability of the human mind to correlate its, all its contents. We live on a placid Island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. And it was not meant that we should voyage far scientists the sorry the scientists each straining in its own direction have here here hitherto harmed us a little but someday the piecing together of dissociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and of our frightful position therein that we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age which is from the call of cthulhu Oh my god. That's also the name of a Metallica song. I think Metallica were really into HP Lovecraft that year. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were. <laughs> um fucking sick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I haven't read Lovecraft in like a couple of years, but man, what a great writer. So just I mean, I think I said it before, but so evocative. You're just totally. like, oh my god, we are so small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really does a lot with not much there, you know, like mm. the sort of putting forth of this huge idea of like, you know, the eventual like evolution of human understanding will either lead for us to go completely mad or for us to return to the, the dark age which is like mm. such a truism i think um, yeah and it's so relatable so yeah i thought that was really cool hell yeah i got a little bit more here for you uh if it's something uh okay here we go so sort of like a little quote i think this was from the video if something is hard to think about, then it's hard to verbalize. And if it's hard to verbalize, it's harder again to show it. Um, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I think HP does a good job of with verbalizing a lot of that stuff. And then the yeah. challenge then is in, in media to like represent it visually, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about at the start. It's just, yeah, it's it's so hard to, to do that. Um, yeah, God, I'm trying to think, you know, I feel like cosmic horror is kind of like a big genre in some ways like mm -hmm. there's not a huge amount of content but if i'm talking to mates or whatever and i'm like what do you think of cosmic horror i feel like a lot of them would say oh i love cosmic horror and then yeah. like if we were to if we were to delve a bit deeper we'd talk about one or two things that we love like mm -hmm. you know bloodborne and and like maybe the necronomicon by hp yep. lovecraft and it's like wow i love cosmic horror but i actually like haven't consumed that much of it yeah yeah i mean i think that's what i'm getting at a little bit with like the themes you know like the themes that are called forth the stuff like yeah the the eventual like breakthrough of, of like you could say like cyberpunk is is cosmic horror because like they're living in this world that has gone mad with power of knowledge you know like 
stuff like that is is kind of like touching on a theme of cosmic horror it's not it's not like you know cthulhu is there and his tentacles are wrapping around you it's like yeah, <laughs> it's like this concept is like held forth and it's it's like we've we've gone too far right what are you saying that marxism is cosmic horror <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i i'm just sort of like yeah this is this is my attempt at trying to understand cosmic horror i don't know if i'm even close but anyway <laughs> we got a couple more little bits and bobs here hell yeah uh representation of a concept is already quite a task in video games and the shadow of lovecraft looms large over it putting aside the fact that many games are power fantasies representation of concepts is still a twisty challenge you can represent fear, you can represent hunger, you can represent pain, you can represent through abstraction, a bar, a checkbox, a list, a visual effect, a tracer, an impact. In games, we can show scale. We have examples of things that are really big. The new open world in that game's map is twice the size of the old open world in that game's map. 10,000 mm. planets, Todd. The Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> Ten, fuck you, 10,000 planets, Todd. Um, the Shadow of the Colossus shows a scale by placing a square on the backs of these giant creatures. But they aren't really cosmic horror. They're just big fuzzy guys who get sad when you stab the soft spot in their skull. <laughs> no Man's Sky is probably the closest representation to a universe, an endless universe that we have in the medium. It's literally unknowable in scale but its distant mm. depths and far-reaching edges don't contain horrors beyond comprehension, only more planets with more resources to sell, to collect. The mind reels at the realisation of the scale of such an example, but there's no, there's nothing unknown about it. It's cosmic without the horror. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to Bloodborne, which we've already mentioned, uh, a truly impressive representation of Lovecraftian horror, the feeling of cosmic horror wrapped up in a souls game which famously has a lot of trouble expressing its themes outside of washy cutscenes and item descriptions uh the beauty in the mirror of ignorance between the player and the character that they play uh, during that part in uh, doing that part sorry, the dog is scratching the floor stop it i'm trying to talk about <laughs> cosmic horror uh let me start that bit again uh the beauty in the mirror of ignorance between the player and their part in the events that take place is maybe genius. Uh, it has some very complex and compelling ideas and themes, the discovery of something great and unknowable, the attempt at exploiting of its resource, and then the eventual, eventual horrible consequences of fiddling with things we could not have hoped to understand. And in an attempt to go forwards, those meddling, those that meddled find themselves going backwards, turned around and inside out um yeah so i mean oh my god there's so much there dude there's yeah, so much there to I unpack <laughs> yeah, i mean I bloodborne episode when yeah we gotta uh, do it because the the setting for bloodborne enables them to do anything you mm. know the hub world in bloodborne is a dream the the dlc for bloodborne is like two inception layers deep in the dream and in the past as well yeah and it's just like when you're kind of 
you know, when that's your framework, like there's nothing you can do that's going to be like, oh, this doesn't fit in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it just feels like anything can happen. And they do such a good job of like keeping you on your toes as you go to the next area. And like, you know, you go into someone's brain and the final boss in their brain is an amygdala and you're like, oh, you're so smart, Bloodborne. Like, why aren't there <laughs> yeah. more games like this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, and then the, the way that they do like insight, you know, it's like a resource that you can have, which once you reach a certain amount of reveals things that you were always not able to see, but were there. <laughs> like oh, that's pretty genius stuff. Oh, bro. That's insane. Yeah, I'm sure there's 40 million video essays on insight as a mechanic because like there's a story beat that like happens to you and then you're able to see those things yeah but but like you say if you gather enough insight before that then all of a sudden these things just appear everywhere and it's not like you know it's not like there's one or two and you're like whoa what the fuck is going on here it's like there are almost hundreds it's almost yeah. just like this infestation of of fucked up invisible eldritch beasts <laughs> yeah yeah but it's kind of cool like a lot of them aren't aggressive they're just kind of clinging mm. to buildings watching you go about your life you know like it's mm. kind of getting back to that example of the ant it's like yeah we are the ants mm. in their world and we are just like ignorant to basically our place in it um which is beautiful because yeah. yeah like totally. i said if the, the way that bloodborne rides that line of like yeah i'm a souls game but most players don't understand what's going on they just want to hit the things with the big sword um they're ignorant to the the, the overall theme um for, themes that are real it's kind for of real kind of a cool little mirror again yeah and especially the first playthrough like the yeah. first playthrough i i was you know having the time of my life but completely confused <laughs> yeah yeah which is good i think that's good yeah 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 um so uh i've got now this is where my notes end but there's like tiny little bits and bobs like you know scattered into the breeze oh yeah scrap me up yeah so, uh, in recent internet collective consciousness, hive mind cultish deep lore, we have dug up the back rooms, a modern take on essentially a cosmic horror setting. Um, do you know much about the back rooms? I have never heard of the back rooms. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I love the back rooms. Um, okay. I don't know. Maybe we should do an episode on them or I could do an episode on them, but, um, they are basically this phenomenon that showed up as a result of i think it was a place uh, it was either reddit or it was 4chan or something and there was this topic of photography called uh what's it called liminal spaces oh yeah and so a liminal space is like kind of hard to nail down again sort of like cosmic horror it's like a place like an office building without any furniture in it um but the lights are on you know, like it's sort of like a bit spooky when you look at the image, you kind of expect something to be there, but there's nothing, a place where humans once were, but don't, aren't, aren't there anymore. And there's no explanation as to why. Um, right. So. And, and lim liminal means the space in between. Yes. Yes. Um, and so that's where a lot of the stuff with the back rooms has kind of come from. Um, the, this idea that you can no clip through reality and end up in the back room. So there'll be like footage of like found footage of someone playing on their skateboard with their friends and then they stack it. And instead of landing on the ground, they slip through the floor and end up in like an in-between space, which is like 
a bunch of hallways that look like an office building and there's no furniture and this, the hallways don't make sense. You know, there's like a hallway that ends in a, another hallway that circles back around to the first hallway and then there's just pillars for no reason. Right. It's very Stanley Parable. Yes, it's very Stanley Parable. Um, so a place you can go to check out the most, in my opinion, the most premium Backrooms content is this YouTuber called Kane Pixels. Oh my God, so good. The way that Kane, Sick. I think he's like a soloed VFX artist. Right. Um, but the way that he represents the Backrooms is just fantastic. It's very found footage. It's very collage. It's very like, you know, pieced together, you know, PT style, the, the puzzles mm. that he's laid out for the internet. Um, there's lots of like little flashing, you know, URLs and QR scans and binary code and all sorts of stuff like that littered throughout the videos, as well as a really nice representation visually of what the back rooms could look like. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, really cool stuff. Um, and it's, it's also, it's also like on theme, you know, like the point, the sort of story in his videos are like, yeah, the, someone stumbled upon the back rooms, the corporations of the world had sort of found out about it and scientists and these corps are trying to like figure out how they can exploit it. Um, because there's like power in this world. It's like where, who's powering these office buildings and why <laughs> is there electricity there? And why is there seemingly endless space and resources? Like maybe we could use with endless resources. Um, That's so cool. I feel like there's a young adult series waiting to be published about the back rooms. That you know? almost I've... certainly is already. Like it's, <laughs> it's a very popular internet thing. Right, right. Um, and so, yeah, that, that part is, I think, very cosmic horror. You know, you've got like people meddling with things that they don't fully understand. Um, so, yeah, definitely go check out uh, Kane Pixels. I will send you a video after this for sure because it's, it's well worth the watch. <laughs> cool. Um, other little bits and bobs here is I've just written the two words Junji Ito. <laughs> like, oh yeah. So, Fuck. Yeah. I'm I'm less, you know, keen to talk on Junji Ito and more just, you know, go out and read some, go to a comic book shop, buy buy whatever one grabs your attention. Look, uh, it's it's Uzumaki. Grab Uzumaki, that shit. Yeah. That's my favorite too. It's uh, and there's an anime for that coming out soon, and it's all hand drawn, and yeah. it looks delicious. Yes, it looks fantastic. Um, there's the, you can also find a few on the internet. There's a couple of really short ones that might sort of like whet your appetite before you dive deep into Uzumaki. Um, I think the most famous one is the hole one, where there's like holes in the side of a mountain and people crawl into them. Um, they're like hum human shaped holes. Uh, the, the meme oh, is this yeah. one's my, my hole. It's made exactly for me. And it's a man standing in front of the hole naked as he, as he pushes himself inside. <laughs> um, yeah, really cool concepts. Uh, and then I've got here, the final piece is the concept of hell in Chainsaw Man. Um, at a certain point oh. in the story, they go to hell because um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of devils and stuff in this world. And the way that they represent hell in the manga, I thought was extremely cosmic horror. -y. That's just like endless spaces with, you know, doors everywhere and the darkness devil appears and all your limbs go away. <laughs> you know, it's like very, uh, full on, um, wow. stuff that happens without reason. Um, you know, dark themes and stuff like that. So I'm once again, asking you to read Chainsaw Man. That's, that's what all this podcast is. It's just me asking you to read Chainsaw Man. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got for you. Wow. 
that was that was a ride. That was sick. Those HP Lovecraft quotes, my god. Pretty good, huh? Um, oh my god. Yeah. Like I said at the start, I feel like I barely brushed up against the side of the giant beast that is this topic, but um, yeah, it's, there, there's some <laughs> there's some resources for people to go and have a look at and stuff to mull on. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a a, a decent attempt, <laughs> despite despite the you know. I came up with this topic yesterday, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. Um, yeah. And, like, shout out to Lovecraft's short stories, of which there are many. Hmm. Um, you know, so if, you, if you're not a big reader but you want to dip your toes in, um, you know, they're, they're pretty old at this stage. You'd probably be able to find them for free, some of them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, worth definitely worth your time. You know, you can bang out those short stories in half an hour to an hour, and it's just, like, it's cool. He's he's very good at transporting you away from your current problems and woes. <laughs> and then you can say, I've read H.P. Lovecraft, and, like, put, <laughs> put that whole argument to rest. Exactly. Like, fuck reading for the enjoyment of reading. You just want to be able to say, <laughs> yeah. I've read H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the horror of the present day we find ourselves then you know yeah yeah, we were the real hp all along (laughs) yeah that's right he's written 50 books but you've read a short story (laughs) (laughs) it's all we need it's all the body needs hell Um, yeah yeah let's you want to wrap it up let's wrap it up um if uh oh god my brain it just that that was the cliff as soon as you were like i was getting ready to wrap it up and you were like hey do you want to wrap it up i'm like do i and then i just started (laughs) glitching out um and so this is the end of the podcast we we gotta go abort abort goodbye we love you yeah okay goodbye (laughs)